Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, offering insights and practices for spiritually, consciously living today. Here's your host, Yogacharya, Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, where we have an opportunity to dive into yoga in its depth and breadth as a pathway to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living today. It's an opportunity to touch the soul, to realize that which we are, to stretch our mind, learn some new ideas, and nurture the body, discover some ways of caring for the body. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien, and today we're going to really touch on all those things. Um, And our topic is five ways that yoga can help to overcome chronic pain. And this is such an important topic, and I'm sure everybody knows what pain is. And so we're going to talk about what we can do to better manage pain, to learn from it, and how yoga can help us with that. I'm joined today by Swami Shivashankaryananda to discuss how it is that yoga offer some time-tested ways to teach our bodies um, a new response to pain. Swami Shiva Shankaryananda is a certified yoga therapist, and she's the director of the Shivananda Yoga Vedanta Center in San Francisco, California. She teaches in yoga teacher trainings, as well as courses in yoga, meditation, and health at the Shivananda Centers in California. And uh, I was inspired to invite Swamiji to talk to me about this because I read her article, Overcoming Pain, that was published last year in Yoga Life magazine. And um, it's a profound and very helpful article to help us just kind of look inside pain, where it comes from, and how we can better manage it. And also, our timing is great because I'm going to be um, visiting her center in San Francisco and sharing there in their satsang. And you're invited um, this coming Sunday evening, February 10th, um, if you're listening in real time today. So you can find out more about the Shivananda Centers, more about Swamiji at Shivananda, S-I-V-A-N-A-N-D-A-S-F dot org, Shivananda dot org. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Swamiji. I'm so happy you're here with me today. Thank you, Yogacharya O'Brien. Thank you for inviting me to join you. We're going to have a great conversation that is going to help us deal with pain by learning more about it and learning some really good strategies for uh, connecting to our bliss, (laughs) um, for learning about the brain, how we can change our mind, and how that affects um, our response to pain. So thank you so much for the great article you wrote, and I'm really looking forward to diving into this topic. But before we do, let's begin with just a moment of meditation, a moment of centering. 
Let's have a yoga moment by taking a good, deep, conscious breath. Feel the breath coming in, expanding the chest and the abdomen and the breath moving out again. And with the out breath, just feel your body relax. Feel that that breath is sweeping through your whole body and mind. And once again, breathe out. Breathe in and breathe out in this lovely, relaxing, conscious way. And if you're comfortable and if you're in a spot where you can do it, you might even close your eyes for a moment and feel more deeply the sensation of the breath as it comes in your nostrils. Feel the coolness of the air. Feel the chest rise, the abdomen expand, and then feel the air moving out. Again, a little warmer this time, the sensation of the air. Now with the in-breath, just intend to dive within into the depths of your own being. Intend to connect with your essential self, that radiant spiritual center, the life of your life, the breath of your breath that gives life to the mind and the body and illumines it. So with each breath now, simply feel that you're diving within and you're connecting to your true self, to your essential self, to the soul, that which is unmoving, unchanging, that which is always peaceful, always content. So beyond the changes of the body and mind, beyond changing conditions, there is this still point within us, the divine self. And when we bring our attention there and anchor our attention there, it's really like an anchor in the ocean that is dropping down below the waves of change on the surface. And in that deep place, there is peace, there is quiet, and there is a beautiful contentment, not needing anything, not desiring anything, just consciously being. So for a moment, just touch that conscious, radiant self within you that is you. And from that still place within, from that place of peace and the highest happiness within you, invite that radiance to illumine your mind, to vitalize your body, to bring peace 
and well-being to your body and your mind. And then extend that awareness beyond your body and mind into the whole world. Feel that with your breath now you can send forth blessings of peace, blessings of joy to the whole world. Once again, I am speaking this morning with Swami Shiva Shankaryananda from the Shivananda Yoga Vedanta Center uh, in San Francisco, California. And our topic today is overcoming um, chronic pain. And I want to begin with, uh, I had mentioned this article that Swamiji wrote, and um, which I found so insightful. And um, she mentioned to me that you can find the article online at shivananda.org slash yoga life slash magazine. And it is the spring no summer. Magazine. I'm sorry? It doesn't say magazine, just yoga life slash. Oh, very good. Okay, shivananda.org slash yoga life. And then um, it is the spring-summer 2018 issue, and you'll see it there. Um, And her article begins with an excerpt from a poem um, by Swami Shivananda uh, himself. (laughs) And it is so insightful, so beautiful. So I'm going to read that, and then we'll dive into our conversation. It's an excerpt from the poem called, I am pain, thy teacher. I am not your enemy. I am your friend. I am a messenger from God. I am an angel from heaven to teach you wisdom, to instill in your heart mercy and dispassion, to turn your mind towards God to destroy your intense clinging to things earthly and mundane that are perishable and illusory. I am your guide and silent teacher. I am pain, the best thing in this world. Well, (laughs) I like the the way that um, opens up the potential uh, for pain as our teacher. I, I don't think that... Uh, most of us feeling pain uh, uh, initially think of it as the best teacher or certainly the best thing in the world. Uh, so um, one of the things that you that you did, Swamiji, in uh, talking about chronic pain is you changed the wording first about that from chronic pain to persistent pain. So um, let's start there with that change in how we think of pain or anything you want to say about Swamiji's poem. Hmm. I was so happy to find that poem because it did set up the um, the way of looking at it differently. Um, I um, 
studied with Neil Pearson, I have to say, and he's an excellent physiotherapist and yoga therapist in Canada. So it was him sharing that idea with me that chronic pain sounds like a weight that you have to carry around and that the idea of persistent pain, okay, it's it's here, it's nudging me all day long maybe, but it's it's it makes it a little bit lighter. It makes it, there's a possibility that it's not permanent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and being able to change our mind about the nature of pain and our experience of it is is critical to being able to change it. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you know, one of the reasons I was was really interested in your article is that I've, I have <laughs> I have made friends with persistent pain myself. Um, and I, I do find it a fascinating teacher. You know, some years ago, um, I had uh, shingles, which, you know, many people know um, is a virus and, and, and then it, it actually attacks the nerve fibers, right? And it is not uncommon for some people to have um, persistent pain after that, which, you know, I have been dealing with for some time now. Mm. And I'm aware of the relationship of stress, diet, and um, thinking um, with regard to pain. So let's start to unpack this a little bit. Um, You were talking about how um, 20% of American adults suffer from moderate to severe persistent pain, as do 13% of teenagers, a lot of people um, dealing with this issue. So tell us about, you know, what pain is and why our response to it is so important. Um, Well, first of all, it's a built-in system to protect you, right? If you inhale something, you sneeze to get it out, Right? If you sprain your ankle, then pain comes to keep you from walking on it. So really, we need the pain. We need the, the messages it tells us. Um, so, But it's not straightforward because it, they used to think that there was a pain center in the brain. The pain message came from your big toe to the brain, and then the brain fired and said, ow. But really, it's a danger signal, so the... Um, the sensors of the neurons are bringing messages all the time. Something's a little hotter than usual. Something is not quite right. And then the brain decides what to do with that information, right? Mm -hmm. So that um, it's not at all straightforward. And a small injury can hurt a lot, but then a severe injury we might not even be aware of. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is really interesting, isn't it? How, um, and so much depends on what's going on around us, right? And you know what mm-hmm. our our focus is. One of the things I've I've noticed about dealing with persistent pain is that you know when my mind is really focused, uh, really concentrated on something, um, I do not experience, um, that pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that, that was a big clue to me that, you know, this is some, it's a wiring, uh, issue that, that, um, goes on with persistent, um, pain. Right. And the idea that you should just medicate it seems to be the common idea, even in hospitals and with doctors. And 
when it's um, acute pain, then severe pain in that situation can be traumatizing and you need to take, you know, you need to damp it down. But when it's chronic, which means that you've been experiencing it for three to six months, so that would be enough for the tissue itself to have healed. At that point, it becomes a, an issue in the nervous system itself. So we know that yoga helps the nervous system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And we can, you know, when we just begin to look into this, you know, as you do in your article, we can see um, perhaps, you know, one of the reasons anyway, why we have such um, an opioid crisis uh, in our country because of people getting started on pain medications and then not having the tools um, yeah. to manage the pain, you know, beyond that. Um, because after, um, if you're dealing with persistent pain or chronic pain, you know, after the, the tissue heals, um, and this, you know, the brain um, has has gotten used to firing <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, on, along these pathways, these neural pathways, um, bringing these signals, and and that is what is persistent. And so, how to change that wiring um, is critical. And of course, you know, beyond the time of initial acute pain and healing, um, if if we're still taking pills to to numb that sensation then we're actually not changing the the wiring as far as i understand it would you say mm-hmm. that's accurate mhm yeah yeah um but there's a um a study that even being educated about the nervous system without any other intervention reduces pain wow why do you think that is so when you can think that it's this impulse coming from that area to the brain and the brain's deciding, the brain's like, oh, this is going to affect my livelihood. Oh, it must be worse. Oh, it, this is going to um, ruin my date. Or, you know, it's like all the things that we fear. Oh, my gosh, they're not giving me enough attention. I need another test. And, you know, the things that occupy our mind just intensify the pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you start to somebody, cl- you sorry, start to clamp ahead. down. Um, you yeah. start to clamp down, and to and the pain then becomes exacerbated uh, mm-hmm. with with the worry and uh, with the stress. Mm-hmm. Um, even somebody doting on you, you know, a partner who's like, "Oh, what?" You know, even that can make the pain worse. Mm-hmm. Right? So, it's, it's so there's a fine line, isn't there, mm-hmm. between? Um, paying attention to pain as a signal, noticing it, being aware of it, and um, becoming, um, what, obsessed by it or worried <laughs> about it. So um, what have you learned about that fine line and, and, and what we can do about that? Um, so just to understand that there's, well, there's 45 miles of nerves in the body. And then instead of one sensor, one place in the brain that lights up when pain is discovered, there's 200 to 400 areas, they say, of the brain that can respond to a danger signal, right? So if you're already stressed, then it's going to light up. And some of the things I just said about worrying about the consequences of it, it's going to light up. And many people suffer over a long time and 
really they they can't go to work. They think people don't understand them. They're fighting to get workman's comp to for people to believe they're in as much pain as they say. So there's so many things that complicate um, the experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. it's no longer about <laughs> yeah, please go ahead. itself. Yeah. Well, and you and you were talking in your article about some you know, normal functions of the brain that, um, you know, here we're talking about worry that, that in, and the way the brain is changed by that. And then we become overwhelmed by pain, by pain. And so what are some of the normal functions of the brain that can be altered? Mm. Yeah. How we think, how we feel a decision-making can become more difficult. Mm -hmm. Sleep, memory, just being able to concentrate, um, not being able to predict, predict um, how much work you might be able to do or if you'll even be able to get up, like all those things um, mm-hmm. play on the mind. And then it comes into personal relationships and then people will spend any money they have on the, the latest thing to try to get rid of their pain. Yeah, mm-hmm. And so that becomes the purpose of their life rather than... Um, remembering that there's a meaning underneath. Mm-hmm. And even, um, they say, it shrinks and, the gray matter. Oh, and, and, and one of the things that I have noticed, too, um, on the spiritual path, where we learn to take responsibility, you know, for our lives and how we live, um, which is a really positive thing. And that we, you know, we, we learn that there are things that we can do and we do them and, you know, we cultivate a healthy lifestyle and all that. But also, also what I see on the flip side of that is on the flip side of taking responsibility is somehow um, taking up blame, you know, so that becomes an issue too, um, suffering from from persistent pain, a lot of times people will feel like it's something I did, you know, mm. it, it's my fault. It's, um, it, it's something that I, I did wrong in terms of my, uh, lifestyle or I wasn't um, meditating enough. I wasn't being spiritual mm-hmm. enough, you know? Um, and of course that's just part of that same, um, debilitating, uh, thought stream, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. But that's where the understanding a little bit of the neuroscience, it's like, okay, the the injury is healed, so it must be in your head, right? So, okay, the injury has healed, but there's still a response happening in your nervous system. Mm-hmm. Yeah? And so, I mean, it's really important to understand that the state of the tissue health and the pain, they don't correlate. More pain means there must be something terribly wrong. It's not true. Yeah. It's just your system has gotten hyped up. It's gotten used to be bringing those messages and more neurons get on board. And then it's, it's a vicious cycle. All of the chemical reactions, the hormones being secreted, it, it increases inflammation because it really thinks there's a danger still. Mm-hmm. And I guess in yoga teachings, we would call it a pain samskara, right? <laughs> it's like it's like a pattern that yes. keeps repeating itself. And in the same way that we have these thought um, experience samskaras, there are there are you know patterns in the mind. We have 
lots of positive ways in our toolbox for dealing with it. You know, we were um, initially sort of describing them. <laughs> I was thinking of kind of the slippery slope down with his persistent pain, right? You know, yeah, yeah. like how it, what it, how it originally starts and then how it becomes exacerbated over time and then how our thoughts about it, you know, start to feed into this um this reference loop that kind of goes around and around. But there is now, um, and science is backing up and yoga has known, you know, from the beginning that there is a way to unplug that feedback loop, right? And to begin mm-hmm. to make changes that actually change the mind and change the physical brain. Um, and of course, this is about neuroplasticity. And um, so just tell us a little bit about that before we um, get to the break here. Well, whatever we practice, we get better at, right? So the brain learns pain, but the brain can learn a different response. And it's always changing and it can adapt. So it's like the message that you guide it with is going to send it in a new direction. Yeah, the sensitivity is continually changing. Mm. And when you were talking about, you know, all those um, nerve fibers and neurons and, you know, just the immensity of that landscape and, you know, how and we see in this, we can see in the same way that there's such immense potential there to make a change. And, you know, in my own experience, um, you know, there is a continual a reminder, you know, that I am the observer of the pain. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so, you know, even from the poem in the beginning, you know, looking at pain as the friend, um, I have really found that to be true, actually, in my experience, because it lets me know if I have become, you know, too stressed, if I haven't Mm -hmm. been taking care of myself in some ways. Um, So it, it, it puts me into that witness mode and has me ask a question of, you know, what can I do to take better care of myself uh, in this moment? Uh, you're listening to the Yoga Hour with special guest today, Swami Shiva Shankarayananda. Uh, Swamiji is a certified yoga therapist, and she's the director of the Shivananda Yoga Vedanta Center in San Francisco. Her article, Overcoming Pain, was published last year in Yoga Life magazine, which we said you can find at shivananda.org slash yoga life. It's the spring-summer 2018 issue. And uh, we will be right back with you in just a few moments. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach around the world, we depend on the generosity of listeners like you. If you enjoy the programming, 
please make your donation today by going to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Teachable Moment with Rev. Ogan Holder, speaking at Unity on the River in Amesbury, Massachusetts, on living an abundant life. Examine your life, whatever you may think is missing or lacking or you wish you had. Realize that you are bearing false witness against your true self and speak words of abundance to it. Speak words of truth to it and to yourself and repeat them over and over again until you've brainwashed yourself into believing that you are divine. The moment you begin to think and speak as if truly you are the embodiment of all that is. This is the only thing we gotta get in through our thick skulls. Living the abundant life is not about what we have. Living the abundant life is realizing that we have it all. To find a Unity Church near you, visit unity.org. Now's the time to register for this year's Heart of Healing Retreat, hosted by the leaders of the Silent Unity Prayer Ministry. Imagine coming to the beautiful campus of Unity Village with its fountains and rose garden to rest and renew your spirit as you explore the spiritual principles of healing. You'll spend time in silence as well as celebration. The retreat is April 25th to 28th with an early bird discount before March 1st. Visit unity.org slash silentunityretreat. Indian saint and mystic Kabir is quoted as saying, One drop of divine love can turn you to gold. Immerse yourself in the work of Kabir with acclaimed poet, author, and spiritual teacher Andrew Harvey in his book, Turn Me to Gold, 108 Poems of Kabir. Andrew shares the powerful and timeless words of Kabir in a way that is accessible to all with beautiful photography by Brett Hurd. This is a book you will turn to again and again. Available now at Amazon.com or Unity.org shop. Would you like to experience more peace and joy in your life through A Course in Miracles? Let Rev. Jennifer Hadley support you in discovering the powerful life lessons available through this unique spiritual thought system that teaches the way to love and peace is through forgiveness. Join Jennifer every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central for A Course in Miracles, living the love, walking the talk, to experience the healing for yourself on Unity Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. You're listening to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with your host, Yogacharya, Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien, and my guest today is Swami Shiva Shankariananda. She's director of the San Francisco Shivananda Yoga Vedanta Center. She's a yoga therapist, a yoga and meditation teacher, and author of the article we're drawing from called Overcoming Pain that was published last year in Yoga Life magazine. Now, we, we talked a lot in the first um, segment about the, the nature of pain and how we experience it and why we experience it and um, some getting into the kind of the downward spiral of how it, we get into a loop with persistent pain. And I'm happy to announce that in this segment, we're going to talk about the ways in which yoga really helps us begin to um, 
change that feedback loop um, with the mind and the brain and the different ways that we can do that actually through neuroplasticity change um, the brain itself. Um, so let's talk about the strategies that you offer in in your article, Swamiji, to help us break that um, repetitive cycle of pain. And so one of the first practices is movement. So um, tell us about that. I mean, these are all going to be kind of common sense things, but let's talk about why they're important. Okay, so with acute pain, it might be necessary to immobilize a body part um, for it to heal. But with persistent pain, we tend to protect it and even like sort of hunch over and, you know, want to not feel the pain. So we tend to not be moving so much. But actually, the movement brings the energy back and it lets the muscles release some tension. So really, we need to take charge. Uh, there's a term in your book, which I love, joyful self-discipline. Right? Like we have to put the effort in um, to challenge the body a little bit. Mm-hmm. And there's a, um, a chart in the article, which I very much like, which just shows, you know, if you're in, in good shape and you're doing a little yoga and you go a little too far in your stretch, there's an alarm that comes on and you can push through it and you might hurt yourself um, or you can listen to it and pull back. But when you have persistent pain, that alarm comes off on much earlier because you're already on alert. Yeah? And so we feel that little bit of, uh-oh, too much, and we pull back. And what, what seems to be better is if you can be really aware of what you're doing, get to that point where the body's telling you, oh, 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 there might be some danger and stay there or even go a little further. But you have to be really with yourself and continue to ask, is this dangerous? Am I going to regret this? And then you can pull back. So it means being quite mindful, but you actually can make some progress in that way. That is so helpful. It is so helpful. Um, So we really have to be present to just um, what it's like to stretch um, a bit, you know, into that discomfort and keep asking, Mm -hmm. keep inquiring, keep breathing. Is it um, okay to be doing this? And one of the things you talk about in your article that, you know, has certainly been my experience is that when there's an injured part of the body, um, uh, if I'm remembering this correctly, Swamiji, you know, we actually can experience that body part differently, you know, mm-hmm. um, energetically. Um, you know, we might uh, feel that uh, one one leg is longer or shorter than the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that has certainly been my experience with persistent pain. You know, if I'm, if I'm doing a body scan and it's a period of pain for me, I, I can actually feel that tension in my leg feels like that leg is shorter. <laughs> it's it's mm-hmm. really fascinating, and it's not a physical phenomenon, um, but it is you know how the the body is is feeling. I mean, there is tension there that gives rise to that experience, but um, you know what 
what I can tell is needed is to move and to stretch and to allow that part of the body to breathe um, from that energetic uh, contraction. Does that make sense in terms of what you're talking about? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Certainly the body map changes when we have pain um, and it adapts pretty quickly. So if you're not using your leg, then other things take over or, um, but you can, you can bring that that um, space back to its original use simply by going slow and not pushing. And it, it's like the total yogic a- attitude of accepting yourself where you are. Some days there's more pain, you can't go further, but maybe there's a little crack one day and you're like, oh, I can go an extra quarter inch and come back. And then that is progress. It is, and I think also... Um, Knowing, um, believing um, that the body can and does heal, you know, beyond that, there's an understanding that there is this intelligence um, in the body. Um, You know, at one point I had a a torn rotator cuff, (laughs) which is, you know, you you definitely go from acute pain to persistent Mm -hmm. pain in that. And um, when you're in the midst of it, it's really hard to believe that the body can actually heal itself. And, you know, and of course, I did, you know, all the right things in terms of, you know, getting in the MRI and taking a look and finding out what my options were. And, and in my case, you know, some people have surgery. um, But in my case, I, I really, came to see that that was not the pathway I needed to take. And the body did heal itself, you know, and um, stretching um, was really an important part of that. And just like you say, you know, about exercise, I had to just get to the edge of that and see if I could relax a little bit into being able to stretch that arm, you know, just a little bit more. And over time, you know, it, it began to heal and to open up. And, and now, you know, the range of motion is, is completely healed for me, but it did take time. And in that feedback loop of pain, you know, the faith uh, in the body itself was really a critical piece of it. Yeah, and and staying calm. You're never going to push through pain, right? You just, every movement needs to be with ease. So if you can do a practice to bring yourself to feeling that calmness, and then you do your movement practice, and then you can finish with a similar practice. If you feel you're starting to get worried or you have to just calm yourself down again. So it's almost like a liquid feeling is the best way I can describe it. When you teach a class, a pain care yoga class, it's like the movements are very fluid and and graceful because of that mindset. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, te- teaching a very deep um, attending, you know, to the higher self as it is connected, you know, to the mind and body. And the second strategy that you offer um, is really proper breathing and um, the, the, the use of pranayama as well. So um, tell us a little bit about that, this relationship of breath, of course, to pain and energy. Right. So the breath is calming. The breath brings us to this moment, not what's going to happen. Yeah, we can relax and feel balanced and clear here and now. Um, 
And so if you have a pranayama practice, so that can be certainly great to keep your prana balanced and flowing, but um, very helpful is something very simple, is to just be where you are, sitting or lying down, whatever's as comfortable as you can be, and just focus on the breath itself, however it is at that moment, and you let it be, and then after a while, you can see if you can make the breath a little longer. So again, Mm -hmm. it's from whatever the quality of your breath in that moment is, can you make it a little longer? Yeah, Mm -hmm. a tiny bit can be. A few more breaths, can you make it a little smoother? And a few more breaths, can you make it a little softer? And it just calms you down. Mm. I feel calm just listening to you talk about it, Swamiji. It's really <laughs> great. And and I think also, um, you know, we can be with the breath in that calming way um, to actually breathe into the sight of pain. You know, I have found that very helpful as well because a lot of the pain tends to come from a clenching kind of resistance experience, right? You know, we're tightening down, clamping down. And so if we can just allow ourselves to kind of investigate um, and use the breath as a tool of investigation, I have found that to be instead of resisting and pushing away the pain to just be with it and breathe into it, it's as if it will soften with the breath itself and kind of open up. It's a, it, that's a beautiful experience as well. Yeah. To have curiosity rather than suffer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the pushing right. away has yeah. a lot to do with that whole chronic clenching um feedback loop of pain and resistance you know it shouldn't be this way i don't want it i don't like it versus the ability to be with and to let go and to relax and to notice and to connect you know with your deeper self and um, be present um, to all that is is occurring so that that begins to shift that neuron firing um, right away, just creating that mm-hmm. um, shift in our attention and our awareness. So that takes us, you know, right into your your third strategy, which is proper relaxation. Um, that that sounds like something we all want to do and and should do. And so, um, what about that with regard to uh, persistent pain? So, by the way, these are the five points of proper health for anyone. But it's like how we can adapt them for for someone in pain. Um, um, So relaxation, like rest and sleep, sometimes those are not so easy when you have pain. So if you fall asleep during the day, sleep. If you fall asleep in yoga class, sleep. Yeah, get enough rest because that brings more pain if you're you're struggling with that lack. Um, But another awareness practice that actually you alluded to already in our conversation about, um, again, you could be sitting or lying down or standing up, but um, so say I have a crazy headache. Can I be with my big toe and feel any sensation at all? It means by default I have to turn down the attention I'm spending on my head to... Pay attention to my toe. 
And if I can go through my whole body, can I feel my toe? Can I feel the sole of my foot? Can I feel, you might be surprised, there might be a tickle, there might be some heat, there might be, and that reduces the pain. So you can go through the whole body relaxing in that way, but staying very aware as you do so. And it's amazing, too, that as we do these practices, um, we become more and more aware of how powerful we are, how powerful our consciousness is, how powerful our awareness is um, to help us um, learn about the pain and to overcome it um, by building these positive strategies. It is so freeing. And if we go back to Swami Shivananda's poem, it, it really does become our friend because it teaches mm-hmm. us you know, how to become more conscious, more aware, how to live in a more balanced way. And um, it, it teaches us about the nature of the mind and the nature of the self that is conscious, that is the observer, that is the witness. So, um, you know, it really can be our, our friend. And making that change in terms of how we think of it, um, that in itself, I think, is really refreshing. Um, and, you know, as we talk about these five points, and I'm glad you mentioned that they're for everyone. So um, they certainly are, you know, they're the strategies that we have in yoga for for leading a spiritually conscious, balanced life. Um, and they're also the tools that we need in times when we have pain. And the next one that you mention is diet, um, proper diet. Um, it seems like if we're experiencing stress and pain, that's one of the first things to go right out the window, right? You know, we're just looking for some comfort that might be food that is really not going to help us with the pain. So tell us about that, Swamiji. Well, what are the things that we reach for in those moments? Foods that are high in sugar, high in salt, fried foods, maybe potato chips, and all of those things are inflammatory, right? And also weight gain itself um, tends to make pain worse, right? So in exactly the soothing, we're not giving the body the, the nourishment, the nutrition that it needs to deal with this issue to feel healthy and thriving. Um, So we want to have food that's plant-based and easy to digest. Digestion takes so much resource from the body. Even our eyesight is less after we eat a meal. So um, we want to make that easy on the body so that we're light and robust and (laughs) ready to face what, what our body's asking us to face. Well, and, you know, as you're talking about these five points, you know, I'm kind of seeing them on a circle, you know, like a wheel and, you know, how they're all um, interrelated. You know, mm-hmm. we, we're going to have trouble with proper relaxation and rest if we're not moving, you know, if we're not exercising um, and, and, you know, that keys into diet and appetite and, you know, right timing for food mm-hmm. and getting the, you know, the, the signals of, um, you know, when we're hungry and when we're not and, you know, how we're using food, you know, are we using food to nourish the body? Do we use the food to, um, you know, medicate pain? 
And um, I think that's a very common response to pain um, yeah. is trying to um, self-medicate um, with with comfort food. I mean, that's where the term yeah, will come sure. from, right? Sure. Um, but I think just to have a little more awareness that it's a direct link to how you're feeling, you know, it, it's not something you hide at night and <laughs> it has an effect. So when you see that it has an effect, like maybe you just avoid nightshades for two weeks and you actually feel that there's a difference. So then you're inspired to try, you know, Ayurveda says use turmeric and ginger. It's not that hard to just add that into whatever you're cooking. Yeah, or looking for things with um, omega-3 fatty acids, antioxidants, high fiber, things that we know are good and that just help the system put up the fight. So if we're feeling stronger, then we can we can um, have the prana to face um, the daunting task of turning around this um, vicious cycle. Yeah, and uh, one of the things that I have written about that really on the path of yoga and to lead a spiritually conscious life and here, you know, as we're talking about dealing with persistent pain, um, is that self-care um, is not a luxury, it's essential. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, and so we, we want to begin to make these connections between um, these practices that seem, they, they almost seem, you know, so simple that they, they couldn't be worth that much. You know, isn't that <laughs> weird that we think that? <laughs> but, you mm-hmm. know, like going for a walk or meditating, you know, with this proper breathing or relaxing or getting the right rest and, and then diet. And, you know, I just, I just think that, you know, we, we want to look um, very strongly at um, how, you know, in, in Western culture, you know, we have put a lot of faith in um, medicine and in, in medication. And, you know, medicine, of course, has helped us and it's, it's a good thing <laughs> that we have it. Um, but, but we do have an idea that, you know, medicine is a pill. It's something we can take that will help us fight infection or will help us um, with that headache or response to pain. But we can also think about food as medicine, you know, which, of course, in the whole system of Ayurveda is like that. The challenge with food as medicine is that it's a little bit slower, right, for us to um, (laughs) experience, um, you know, how it begins to change the body and the mind. But if we, um, I think if we set out on a program and we give ourselves some time to notice the effects of diet um, with regard to managing pain, um, we do begin to see um, how that, how that plays a role, um, and especially there's so many studies now on inflammation and um, the, the basic yogic diet is an anti-inflammatory diet. Um, tell us a little bit about what the basic yogic diet is. Well, we say to eat closer to the sun. Yeah, so seeds have a lot of prana. Um, things that are green, things that are like from the earth, the, the closer we are to the to the earth where they came out of, like farmer's markets, eating fresh food, looking at your food, looking at the amount, looking at the colors before you eat the food. Um, Mild spice, right? We don't want 
high spice. It's exciting and maybe exacerbating to the inflammation. And then I, I mentioned it's seeds, um, flax seeds, chia seeds, nuts, um, fresh fruits, yeah, blueberries, things that are high in those antioxidants. You eat them and you can feel the sun <laughs> coming into your body, basically. Yeah, yeah and they, um, they look beautiful, too, so they're pleasing yeah. to the eye. I mean, to all the yeah. senses, right? Yeah. Um, something that comes out of a box is less pleasing to the senses. There's not the same um, beauty or sensory experience of something that comes out of the box or comes out of the freezer. So <laughs> fresh um, is a, like a whole body, whole sensory experience. And so I want to um, make sure that we get the fifth practice in here, Swamiji, which um, you have noted is positive thinking and meditation. We've, we've talked a little bit about that already, but what else would you like to say about that? Um, so the positive thinking, it's, it's good to work on that because it helps you be focused. And then the meditation practice, as we know, is difficult to keep that mind to be still for a split second. But the, the positive thinking, it's like if we can try to see the glass half full instead of half empty, right? Then we can reduce the stress hormones and we can encourage the endorphins. So, um, when we feel supported in life, when we feel we have a purpose, then the endorphins flow. And according to Neil Pearson, who I mentioned in the beginning, he says one endorphin molecule may be able to block as many as 50 danger signals. This makes endorphins more powerful than morphine, but with pleasant side effects. <laughs> so if we can get our own body on board to not be pulled down, but to find some upliftment that the body cooperates with that the physiological processes cooperate with that mental effort mm. oh that is so beautiful and i was just going to ask you for a closing word of in inspiration but i think you may have given it to us but if you'd like um just a last word um for people who are listening you know who who um, have been dealing with pain in, in one way or another, what, what would you say to them to encourage them? Mm, I think just to know that it's changeable. It is changing. With every thought you think, it is changing. So you can consciously turn the pain down, and you can consciously work on eradicating the pain. Yeah, that it's it's a response in your body that is because of the um thought milieu that you're in and slowly one step at a time it is a meditation and you feel the difference in your body without doing anything in the tissue mm. thank you so much and you've given us so much to be inspired about um helping us um, just feel more relaxed and more more empowered to deal with pain just from um, speaking with you. Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, you've been listening to the Yoga Hour, and it's been my delight and privilege to be in this conversation with Swami Shiva Shankarayananda 
she is a certified yoga therapist and director of the Shivananda Yoga Vedanta Center in San Francisco. Um, she teaches in uh, the Shivananda Yoga Yoga Teacher Trainings, as well as uh, courses in yoga, meditation, and health at their centers in California. And I've been with her at the beautiful uh, yoga farm up in Northern California. And you can learn more about her and uh, the work of Shivananda organization at Shivananda, S-I-V-A-N-A-N-D-A-S-F for San Francisco.org. And they're on Facebook too at SF Shivananda. Um, thank you again, Swamiji, for joining us today. And I'm really looking forward to uh, coming to your center this Sunday, February 10th, if you're listening uh, in real time here, February 10th, 2019, at the San Francisco Shivananda Center. I'll be there at 6 o'clock um, for the weekly satsang and um, have a chance to speak with the group there about ARTA, about living a... Um, prosperous, fulfilled life according to the teachings uh, of yoga. <clears throat> Please join me next week when I'll be welcoming Dr. Suhas Shirsagar and Dr. Manisha Shirsagar. It's going to be Valentine's Day, and we're going to be talking about how to love your life by developing good self-care. Um, the Yoga Hour is the service project of Center for Spiritual Enlightenment Meditation Center in the Kriya Yoga tradition. Find out more about uh, the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment at csecenter.org. And I want to give my thanks to everybody who makes our program possible, um, to producer and co-host Dr. Laura Trujillo, our assistant producer Sean Smith and Ann Hayes, and CSE's global media outreach manager Holly Gray, Jeff Comfort, and Louis Pagan in the sound booth at Unity Online Radio. Thanks again for being with us, and thank you, Swamiji. It was a great hour with you. Thank you, Yogacharya O'Brien. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today.